When all of your flaws and all of my flaws are laid out one by one A wonderful part of the mess that we made, we pick ourselves undone All of your flaws and all of my flaws, they lie there hand in hand Ones we've inherited, ones that we learned, they pass from man to man There's a hole in my soul I can't feel it, I can't feel it And there's a hole in my soul Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, and we have our head coach candidate breakdown episode. So the Giants have six candidates right now that they have requested to interview. Brian Dable of the Bills, Brian Flores, formerly of the Dolphins, Leslie Frazier, Patrick Graham, Dan Quinn, and Lou Amareno. We're going to break them all down. We're going to tell you who we think is the best man for the job. We're going to tell you who we think is not the best man for the job. I'm excited, and hopefully... uh. Hopefully we'll know the news on these guys sooner or later. Justin, how are you doing? Bobby Skinner, I'm not going to lie, kind of nervous for this head coaching search. There's a lot of good conversations to be had about each individual one without, I guess, getting too numbers heavy. There's, I feel like, positive sides to every single one. I think we have six guys that we're planning on interviewing slash we have interviewed already. There's positives to each one, but also there's like legitimate gripes with each one. So I'm a little nervous for how this is going to work out versus I was very confident about the GM search. There was a lot of good candidates, but there's not that one, I think, home run slam dunk head coaching candidate this time around. I'm doing well. Excited for the Senior Bowl. We're going in five days. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. Like I said, I want this head coaching search to get done with. I think most people are in the Dable uh, boat and then there's... You know, like a good like twenty percent of people who are on floors. In fact, I did a Twitter poll. I could look up the results before we get started. Um, but I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm overall on this head coaching ca- candidate search. I am a little like kind of annoyed at this though. Is that hey maybe Brian Dable ends up being the best offensive mind out there? But I wish they would have looked at more offensive minds. Yeah, I'm you know, with you. and this and this isn't even an offense versus defensive mind. Like I, I'm not telling them to not interview any of the defensive guys. In fact, I would be fine with them hiring a defensive guy. So this isn't like oh we need an offensive guy. But I, I don't know why not interview Byron Leftwich of the Bucks. Why not you know try and get one in with you know, Mike McDaniel from the 49ers or or uh, Kevin O'Connell with the Rams or Eric Bieniemy with the Chiefs or, or you know fill in the blank. Why not you know. Hear what those guys have to say. You know, like the the McVay Shanahan tree has been awesome. Why not go and just talk to those guys and see what's going on with them? Yeah, this isn't the widest of nets. I I feel like if if that was a phrase that was used by Shane in like that little press release, yeah, like Flores, Frazier, Quinn, you know, yeah, some of the favorites, but I don't feel like it's a wide net necessarily. Yeah, and listen, I would there's a good chance I would still end up as Dable as my number one, but I can see myself like going and doing some deep dives on Kevin O'Connell and being like, nope, that's that's who I want. Let's look at the success of this uh, McVeigh tree. That's who I want. So a little frustrated with that. Although um, I, I'm, I'm I'm excited if they get Brian Dable either way. So um, and I think that's the only guy I would get like real excited for. But even then, I'm tempering my expectations. Regardless, John Mara said it himself, until they prove that they can do this the right way, we shouldn't trust them. So, um, But Good I am point. in the Brian Dable train before we you know, start breaking these guys down. Yeah. Bobby, um, are there people 
special people, wonderful people, awesome people, some of our favorite people in the world bringing us the show today? A lot of them. Whoa. A whole lot of people. We got Jack Barnum. Jack mm. likes to burn him, if you know what I mean. William Swanson, who's related to Ron Swanson. My speech therapist. Old Bill Swanson. Um, you know, I, re- I know Ronnie Swanson's real name, but it's weird. It's like if I ever hung out with him, it'd be hard for me not to call him Ronnie. Um, it's real name's close. I think Sean he's Corriston. Okay with that. Sean Corriston. I don't have any jokes for that one. Sean. Mike Girardi. Joe Girardi's uh, cousin, who actually hates the Phillies. Joe Pinto. Pinto beans. The Nina, the Pinna, the Santa, Santa Maria. Maria. I'll do you uh, in the bottom uh, while I'm drinking sangria. Oh yeah. Alex Goggin. He's a goggle guy. Giovanni Hernandez. He was in the World Beater. Thank you, Giovanni. Love that name. I know a lot of Giovannis. Like, I actually know like a, a good amount of Giovannis in my life. Allison Mullins. Speaking of Allison Mullins, did you see that, you know, we did our $10 raffle and our $2 raffle? Sure. And our Patreon is probably 98% male. Two women but won both. Um, wow. Andrea and, and, and Issa. How about that? This, Go women. This show, this, that random number generator is extremely sexist towards women. Kenyon Jesperon. Kenyon. I, I, hope, I hope you're on the Kenyon Green train with me. Nathan Outwater, which is not even a real name. Like Nathan Outwater. Like Nathan Fish out of water. Chris G. He's a G. Evan Vinci. Vinci. Jake Rosenbaum. He he actually broke the news uh, that Josh Rosen was being traded to the Dolphins. He had the Rosenbaum. Charles Rogalia. He uh, uses Rogaine. Dom uh, Angeletta. Nope, sorry. He tried to pronounce. Like, he literally put out the pronunciation of his name. It's An- Angel- Angelite. Dom Angelite. And then Gene Frizzle. Miss Frizzle. Wow. Justin, that's the longest we've ever spent on a Patreon announcement because there's a lot. How, who are the all these lots of people? Yeah, I feel bad because I think you kind of dedicated yourself to making jokes about each people's name, and that took a long time. Patreon.com slash Giants. Thank you to so many people who sponsored today's show. And if you want to sponsor a show, plus get some other benefits like Bobby Skinner will send you stuff in the mail like magnet stickers, have an opportunity to win a free shirt or hang out with us while we record the show's live. Patreon.com slash Giants. Thank you to our patrons. All right, Justin, let's get into these head coaching candidates. Number one on both our lists is Brian Dable, right? Yes, sir. Offensive, so let's go through some basic information. Offensive coordinator for the Bills, 46 years old. The only offensive guy on this candidate list. Started in the NFL with the Patriots as a, a, a DA in 2000. They moved up to their wide receiver coach from 02 to 06. Was the Jets QB coach for two years. And then he had uh, four years in a row where he was uh, offensive coordinator for the Browns, Dolphins, and Chiefs with some really bad quarterbacks. <laughs> Went back to Bill in New England. Patriots tight end coach from 013 to 2016 and then joined Nick Saban as uh, their offensive coordinator uh, from 2017 to 21. Or sorry, in 2017 and then joined the Bills in 2018. Uh, and he's been there the last four years through the development and drafting of Josh Allen. Justin, I think he's both of our guys, one, because we're probably going to lean offense anyways, but I think he's the most qualified and has the least amount of flaws of these guys. Like, we see the modern-day NFL. I love the way he we've watched it throughout the playoffs, the way he attacks safeties with three-level reads, um, you know, uses concepts that are constantly putting defenders in conflict. 
He runs the ball based on down and distance and fronts and not just for the sake of it, but he's not st- he's not stuck to anything scheme and he adapts well. Like that's something we love like about Joe Shane is that yeah, obviously does he have his scheme? Yes, but he is extremely adaptable and I think that's huge for whoever the Giants QB is and that's what this league is is a QB league. So whether it's Daniel Jones next year or a draft in this upcoming draft or a draft uh, quarterback the next year. Like Brian Dable seems to be the head coach that's going to make that position work the most. Yeah, Brian Dable is the is the candidate that excites me the most. Just flat out, you know, without getting too knee deep into it, you know, you look at what he did with Josh Allen, and you know, you just look at the evolution of the offense in, in Buffalo. It got much better. It got much better, and that's also something that I would like to see is the ability to grow and also the ability to adjust which I know Bobby I know you can maybe talk about his ability to to adjust but 2018 his first year as play caller offense was bad I mean I think you can argue that it was maybe top you know bottom bottom three bottom four in the National Football League 2018 DVOA their ranking was 31st well in 2020 and 2021 got up to fifth and 10th and then 2019 even showed a nice jump you know going to 21st when Josh Allen started to play a little bit better and what I like about Dable is that he doesn't seem like he's just concrete and set on what his way or the highway. In 2018 and 2019, they were pretty, they were a run heavy team. They were a run heavy team that kind of prioritized running the ball a little bit more because they knew that the quarterback, they couldn't really rely on their quarterback. Then Josh Allen starts to take steps up 2020, 2021. Then they become this offense that is throwing the ball more than 60% of the time. And then their first down pass rate in 2020 was 67% and then 62% in 2021. Those were both the highest rates in the National Football League the last two years of first down pass rate. So Dable is a guy that can adjust. And I like that. And he is just, to start off, the candidate that excites me the most. Well, and let's talk about, you know, Josh Allen. Like, that's Josh Allen's development. Now, that has been used, like, as, as his biggest critique. proponent and his biggest critique. It's like, okay, well, you're not bringing Josh Allen over. Well, it's like, look at what he did with the developed Josh Allen. Okay? And so, whoever the generous QB is, like, let's let's develop him to do his best. Because Josh Allen went from, just look at completion percentage, 52%. 58%, yeah. then 69%, and then down to 63%. Defenses started playing the Bills different, but they started running the ball better because of it. You know, ranked third, second, and 24th in those years. Like, Josh Allen was a, a raw prospect. And instead of Brian Dable, like, being afraid of his flaws and coaching, like, oh, we got to, you know, make sure he doesn't have all these mistakes. No, it's like, hey, this guy is going to be a gunslinger, aggressive type player. Let's let him work through those. Let's not, let me be so afraid to you know, lose my job that I don't coach this guy to be the best QB in three years from now instead of trying to make him the absolute best QB in year one. Like, that's something I look, someone who will let you grow through the flaws, which is, you know, Daniel Jones is, is, is too late for him now, basically. But it's like if someone would have had this approach going into his year two after they fired Shermer, that was what it would have, you know, benefited Jones. Maybe we have a different viewpoint of him at this point. Not a Josh Allen viewpoint, but a, a definitely a better one. So... And just like play style wise, like I love that he attacks the safeties with three level reads, you know, like Mills concepts where you have, you know, uh, you know, the outside receiver on a post and, uh, you know, the ins- the slot on a deep end, just making safeties pay. You know, the Giants had like Jake Fromm's only touchdown as a New York Giant came from that play. 
you know, a safety making, like forcing a safety make a mistake. You know, the, the wash, you know, the other slate, the Slayton drop touchdown versus Washington. It was similar things like that. So consistently doing those, consistently doing those things. And he's adapting the run game really well. Like he's yes. not stuck in gap versus zone. Like he adjusted throughout the season. Like they, um, the, as far as like, you know, their gap versus run, they weren't running any gap. They were, they were like towards the bottom of the league in gap runs. The last six games of the season, when you include the playoffs, they doubled their amount of gap runs. So he does it based on, uh, you know, who his offensive line is or who his opponent is. And again, you know, and I was even listening to interviews with him. He's like, well, we didn't run the ball a lot because we had a lot of second, we had a way more second and tens than we wanted to be in. Yeah. You know, cause there's been like critiques of him getting away from the run game at times. So it's like, he, I think he's forward thinking with the run game where it's like the run game is, is extremely valuable. It's an asset. Run game but- works on an efficiency basis, not a volume basis, which in the NFL today, in my opinion, that's how it should work. If it's efficient and it's working, run the damn ball, but do not force the run game when it is not there and do not force the run game for the sake of wanting to run the ball. Running the ball should be about efficiency. And the Bills this year, I'm, I'm an, I, I love operating by DVOA football outsiders. The Bills this year, one of the critiques of Brian Dable is that he was not big on the run game. He doesn't really have good you know, run designs. The Bills this year were ninth in the NFL in rushing DVOA, and their passing game was 13th. So their rushing game was more efficient when you compare it to the rest of the league than their passing game this year. And that's what I like. Again, the ability to adjust like Bobby's saying. And you also using the run game as a weapon in the pass game. They ran the third most uh, play action uh, in 2020. Yes. Eighth oh, highest in 2021. That. Ton of RPOs. Allen had the fourth most RPO runs. Like they, you know, Josh Allen led the QBs in this league in RPO uh, runs when you put runs and passes together. Um, so it's just like, it seems like he's got everything... Listen, will he be able to be a leader of men and a head coach? I listen to some interviews, but when you're getting you know coordinators on a Thursday after game, it's a lot different than being in front of the press every day and and leading an entire group. So again, it's like you know being a head coach is so much different than being a coordinator. But I really like what Brian Dable uh, has has put out there so far. Yeah, 2018. There, I'm going to give some explosive play rankings. 2018, uh, the Bills' offense were ranked 24th in the National Football League. 2019, they were ranked sixth. So even though, like 2019, you know, the offense wasn't maybe an above average offense, but they took a huge jump in the explosive play department. 2019, they were sixth in the National Football League in explosive play rate. 2020, they were seventh. And then 2021, they were 12th. So I think this year, you know, again, defense is adjusting to Josh Allen, adjusting to, you know, the deep passing where they want to keep things in front of them. But Josh Allen is taking those checkdowns. And another thing that I don't know, and I know you were talking about Mills' concepts and you're talking about some schematic stuff for Brian Dable. One of the things that I love is he runs crossing routes and all the time, just constantly, constantly, constantly with those crossing routes. Now, that may be predicated on having a quarterback like Josh Allen where he can throw from different arm angles, he can throw off platform, and he has the arm strength to deliver the football in stride with guys. But I love those crossing routes because how often do you see the Giants facing when they're on offense, how often do you see teams run man coverage? And the way that you beat man coverage in the NFL is by running those crossing routes. And that's what the Giants have been beat on. I feel like for, you know, 20, all 2019, that's what they were beat on because they like to run man coverage back then. So love that he runs crossing routes. That's my favorite play in the National Football League. Justin, to quote you, should we talk about some trepidations of him? Yes. I, how many times did I use that word? Uh, I don't know, episode? but we got a couple of comments on it, so I thought yeah, it was kind of funny. Yeah, it was funny. I liked it. Here's 
Now, here's the one people pull is like, well, what did he do before the Bills? Well, he was an offensive coordinator for those four years to talk about. His QBs were Matt Castle, Matt Moore, Colt McCoy, the GOAT, Derek Anderson, and Brady Quinn. Like, who <laughs> named the best QB out of that group? Matt Castle? I actually think it's Matt Moore. Okay, how about that? Should we have a Matt Castle versus Matt Moore debate on the show? Sorry, he didn't turn that. And also, that was like 10 years ago, too. Like, I'm sure he's grown a lot as a coordinator. Here would be mine, is that he might just be a good coordinator, but he's not the leader of a man. Like, dealing with the pressure and having the, you know, like having a rebuild, like kind of put on your shoulders with the GM. And also, 2018 Josh Allen was bad. 2019, he was better, but he wasn't good. That 2019 offense was like worse than the Daniel Jones, Pat Shermer 2019 offense. It was similar. Uh, I I, th- I think it was very very similar. They were but much technically, they were much, but but much worse, more though. explosive. They were much more explosive. Yeah, but I mean, they then they they you know they put less points uh, on the board. Right. And I know they didn't have they were in rebuild mode and and growing and getting more personnel. But so were the Giants, you know, and Allen. Uh, has grown a lot, but like he's that that same player was still in there at that point. That would be my biggest worry. Is like okay, like you know, it, with Josh Allen, second year version of Josh Allen, which wasn't horrible. The team was good, the defense was good, and their offense wasn't like pitiful, but it surely wasn't like above average. No, um, and you're, yeah, you're right. Uh, that like that's Daniel one Jones of those... versus Josh Allen was a debate where a lot of people picked Daniel Jones in 2019. Yeah. And again, that's a hesitation or a trepidation, as I like to say, where I can't, I almost, I can't argue it. You know, you can, you can look at the context and the situations, you know, with those former teams. I will say, I know the 2011 Miami Dolphins were a really bad team. And I know that's the year I think Sperano got fired, but watch that team fight. I mean, that was a team that fought and I actually like became like a Matt Moore stand that year, but neither, neither here nor there. And I was, it was funny to know, it was funny to learn that Dable was the coordinator of that team. Um, that, that Giants Dolphins game 2011 is one of my favorite games that I've ever been to. Anyway. Um, yeah, Bobby, when you say those things, I can't really, I can't, I don't really have a big response because it's like, yeah, that is a, that is a criticism. Absolutely. But he has the smallest like flaws out of this group. I think that was yeah. from the outside looking in. Um, and I think the biggest pros was this decision for Brian Dable even hard for you to pick a one like GM was hard for me to pick a one. This one is like I didn't even have to really think about it once I did like research. No, I switched my two, three, and four rankings three times before we recorded, but one always stayed the same. Because again, Brian Dable is the guy that excites me the most, and really. I mean, if we hire any other guy, like I will come on here and I will be like, I, I believe in the Giants. I want the Giants to win and I will not be a negative Nancy because that's just not who I am. And I don't think that's who we are. But I will say right now, Dable is the only one that really excites me. If I want to yeah, put it really in front of it. To, your, to that point is like, okay, like the head coaching, like just like the draft head coaching cycles, like, you know, we look back and it's like, okay, everyone's opinion about that was wrong, you know? So it's, now if they get, if they hired Dan Quinn, I'll, He's probably the one where I'm going to be a little ticked off, but the rest of them, it's like, okay, let's 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 talk about why. Now, next, I don't know if he's number two on um, your list, and honestly, I I need to I need to hammer down uh, my number two because I'm going back and forth between Brian Flores and Leslie Frazier. So, who 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 is your two? My number two is Flores, but. Okay, about so five minutes about, be- about five minutes before we recorded, I had him down at four, 
but then I changed them back to two. So I, I can fluctuate. Okay, I'll have my... Once we finish these next two, I'll have my plan number two. But let's talk about Brian Flores because he seems to be the number two consensus-wise, you know, from uh, Giants ownership and uh, and the fan base. Brian Flores, 40 years old, uh, was a linebacker at Boston College. Uh, Patriots lifer. A Patriots lifer. You know, he started at the Patriots as a scout when he was 23 years old, then became a special teams assistant, then an offensive assistant, then a defensive assistant. Then was their safeties coach from uh, 2012 to 15. Their linebackers coach from 2016 to 18. And that's when he became the head coach of the Dolphins the last three seasons. Listen, when you look at what he did with the Dolphins, you have to be impressed. Now, I think there's there's some serious flaws on Flores, but you have to be impressed with what he did results-wise with the Miami Dolphins. Went 5-11, and 10-6, and 9-8. and So he had some real success. They didn't make the playoffs. Because, you know, they had a 10 and 6 season that didn't make the playoffs. Like that kind of, every, most other years they're in. 9 and 8, that, you sneak in a lot of years with that. And again, he started with the 2019 was flat out tanking. They were, a C, they were also a CFL roster too. Yeah. Like they, I remember our friend Kevin Boylard making a video saying like the Dolphins should be punished for the way they're tanking to start that season. And went 5 and 11 with that team. So, yeah, does 5 and 11 look good? No, but they were... You know, remember how like young the Giants uh, like team was in 2019, where it was like we're playing so many rookies. We they had the second most rookie snaps that year to who the Miami Dolphins, and the Dolphins didn't have a rookie QB that was involved in that, where the Giants did. So it's like even even more so relying on rookies. And then the 2000 that you know that again that 2019 was flat out tanking, and then uh, goes 10 and six in 2020 and nine and eight. 2021 team starts out one and seven, rips off seventh straight to finish the season eight and one, so nine and eight overall. Bad start, but obviously a good bounce back. You include, you know, you throw in the fact that Brissett was, you know, the starting QB in four of the seven losses they had, but at the same time, defense wasn't good. Um, so, you know, defenses that were ranked 16th and sixth the last two seasons. We can talk about him scheme wise as a defensive coordinator, how he loves the blitz and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think Brian Flores. Uh, did some good things with the Dolphins, even if he may not be the perfect fit for the Giants. Here's why he's number two for me. And really, it's just belief in Joe Shane. If I didn't have belief in Joe Shane, he would be number four. But if he's hired by the Giants, that means that Brian Flores has a clear vision for what he wants his offense to look like. A cle- It has to be crystal, crystal clear. And also answering the question of what the hell went wrong in Miami and convincing Giants ownership and Joe Shane that it wasn't him that was being the main instigator of why offensive coordinators changed the last two years and why it seemed like he was butting heads relationship-wise with people in that building. I did not like the way that he dealt with Tua in 2020. With okay, you're no. That might be his biggest black eye. Is that okay? You're okay. You're starting. Okay, you're benched. Okay, you're starting. Okay, you're benched. And also, you do have to consider. Uh, shout out to Eduardo Lamboy for leaving this comment on our YouTube about Flores. Flores benefited from having the softest second half schedule in the NFL after starting one and seven. By the way, and what has been the Giants' main problems that they've started off slow. Beat the 4-13 Jets two times. Beat the 4-13 Texans. Beat the 4-13 Giants. Beat the 5-12 Panthers. Beat a third-string quarterback in New Orleans named Book. And beat an injury-depleted Ravens team. I, I will say that was a good victory, but yeah, they were still they were still pretty, you know, depleted 
uh, injury-wise, swept a New England team led by a rookie quarterback, um, and also the the week the last week of the season win against the Patriots seems like to be a curse. Um, got their asses waxed by Buffalo, Indy, Tennessee, Kansas City. Lost at the time to a winless Jaguars team, and Lambo even at Lambo even adds, don't want him anywhere near New York. New York. <laughs> Man, you you might have to make I might have to make Leslie my two after that, but at the same time. If he can get the OC and QB right, you get the right OC and QB in here, a lot of his flaws go away. Correct. You know, because his, his defense is to be desired. Like the number two blit, number two blitzing team in the NFL the last two years at 40%. So he's going to give you those single high looks, and but what he's most notable for is those cover zero blitzes. And again, they gave up some yards, but they made stops when it counted in the red zone, forced turnovers. You know, the... Uh, you know, the 2020 t- t- uh, defense ranked second in touchdown passes, first in interceptions for their opponents, 32 interceptions the last two seasons while only giving up 42 touchdowns, which ranked second and six. Like, that defense is, is good. And again, like, they have some good players over at Miami, but they're not like a star-studded defense. Like, that defense has been good the last two years. Um, and again, like, he's produ- produced wins and losses. And I get, okay, well, they played a weak schedule. Well, you know, we all play bad teams, you know, and some schedules can be a little weaker than others. But so, again, I'm not sitting here saying the Dolphins were contenders or anything, but like they, okay, congr- you know what? They won all the games against those bad teams. Guess what? After one and seven, a lot of people said when they played the Miami Dolphins, like Giants fans or Jets fans, well, the Dolphins, that could be a game we can win. But they didn't. They rallied and they lost instead of totally quitting. Now, the flaws with him, maybe the, some of the most glaring flaws. Now, the offense on points per game alone isn't horrible. But it sure isn't good. You know, 22nd last year, 15th in 2020. But he has a young QB and a bad offensive line. But his hand, like you said, his handling of two, I think, might be the worst thing about him. Like, the fact to, okay, like, I, I didn't like the fact that he benched Ryan Fitzpatrick mid winning and playing well. But I was like, okay. But it, you know what? They, they drafted the guy. They want to play him. I can't, I can't fret. I can't fret too much, even though I don't agree with the decision. Well, then they kept on taking him out mid game. So, like, what what are you doing, Brian Flores? Make a decision. Like, what are you doing? This is the worst way to develop. Like, could you imagine if 2019 we just kept on putting Eli in the, like, in fourth quarter yeah, games? Yeah, that would be bizarre. It'd be insane. That is insane. Like, I would be ripping my hair out if my co- head coach was doing that. You know, and then they didn't have a good relationship this past year. I mean, Tua's trainer even said some things about Brian Flores on Twitter, so there clearly wasn't a good relationship. Um, fired Chad O'Shea, his offensive coordinator of 2019. Chan Gailey resigned after 2020. Yep. He fired Pat Flaherty before the uh, season even started in 2019. Now, Graham, I'm not going to fault him for leaving because Graham, you know, got to have a bigger role with the Giants, but also like maybe it was a little bumpy. Josh Boyer stayed. The Kenny Still stuff, if we're going back to that, you know, basically trolling his own players when he came out there. Other players, you know, talking about how they didn't like that he picked favorites, so. And then on offense, like his rushing offense is pitiful. Less than four yards per carry uh, the last two seasons. Yeah. So he has huge negatives, and I just don't know if it's the if the right fit for the Giants coming off of Joe Judge, who's another Patriots guy. Brian Flores is like that same tough guy that Joe Judge is, but without the being able to work relationships, uh, you know, not being a people person like Joe Judge was. Now, unlike Joe Judge, Brian Flores has his defense and his defensive play calling to hang his hat on. Uh, conservative on fourth like so there's just a lot to not like about Brian Flores but at the same time if you get the OC and QB right a lot of that goes away yeah yeah if you did not like Joe Judge's fourth down decision making and 
you're on the Brian Flores train. Well, believe it or not, Brian Flores is worse. Uh, it's kind of tough to be worse than Joe Judge, but really anybody coming off this Belichick tree, and this even includes Dable. I don't necessarily know what you know Dable's philosophy is when it comes to fourth down. I think you know McDermott. Usually the head coach is the guy that's making that decision. Like, all right, you know, coordinator, have a play ready. And the Bills are about average when it comes to you know going for it on fourth down. But when you have such a good offense, you know, you can afford to punt or kick a field goal every now and then. And that's the thing with Flores, Bobby. Bobby, do you trust Brian Flores to bring in a good offense coordinator? Because my answer is no. I do not trust Brian Flores to bring in a good offense coordinator. Because even the guys that he did bring in before they resign and quit, they're not that exciting and they're not that good. Yeah. I, I mean, does Jim call look? I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't. So I, I, after all this, I'm, I'm moving Leslie Frazier to my two and Brian Flores yeah. is my three. And, and like I said, why I have Flores at two is because he is a young guy. He is a winner. I mean, he, he's, he has two winning seasons under his belt in Miami where— With the Dolphins, the, too, by the way. With the Dolphins, who are a cur- flat-out cursed franchise, you know, do they even have their quarterback in Tua? Their offensive line, I think, was worse than the Giants this year. Yeah, it was year. horrible. You know, so I, if, you, if you're going to give Brian Flores and, and the Dolphins offense credit about something this year, it is that they were able to stay afloat. They had a few 30-point games when their offensive line was so bad and Tua getting the ball out quick, quick, quick. You know, Jalen Waddell and Mike Gusecki are their best weapons out there, you know, which isn't terrible, but it's not, again, it's not great. So there are positives to Flores, and that's why he's number two, because if he's hired, then that means I trust Joe Shane and that Flores convinced Shane and Giants Brass that he's not an asshole, he can work with people, and he has a clear vision for offense that can be successful. Yeah, and that's why I said at the top of the the offensive part, is like when you just look at a paper and you look at the situation, like, okay, I, understandable. But then when you look at the nitty-gritty of like how it, it became this way and all the relationship stuff and the dealing of Tua, then it's like, oh my, this is this is like this is what's handled horribly. But when you look like, okay, middle of pack offense. Um, with a bad offensive line, a young QB who you don't know who's the guy, and a horrible run game, which is you know a lot of O line um, driven, but also it's like scheme driven as well. But yeah, it's, it's he's, he's got some serious flaws, man, and that's that's part of the price you pay by when you're a former head coach. You know, it's like you know the former head coaches where one will talk, have the most negative talk box. We've seen them do the job and maybe not do it good at times. Yeah, so I, I'm moving Brian Flores to three. Can we? You got anything else on Flores? I got nothing else. He's he's a winner though. He he has won football games. He's a young guy. He's an exciting guy. And you know, I think we just poo pooed on him for most of that time that we talked about him. But you know, there's valid conversations to be had about him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I see why people like Brian Flores a lot. But I'm I'm gonna move him down to three. Who my two is? Another head coach retread, you know, and, and again, like a lot of these these guys have flaws. Leslie Frazier, 62 years old. Uh, he's been the Bills defensive coordinator the last five years. He's been around the league for a long time. You know, he started with the Eagles as a DB coach in 99, was the Bengals DC in 03 and 04, Colts DB coach for a couple of years, then was the Vikings defensive coordinator from 07 to 010, and then they upgraded him to the head coach after the firing of Brad Childress in 2011 to 2013. Not Not successful at all. You know, that Vikings team was coming off of that NFC Championship run with Brian uh, Brian Flores. With Brett Favre, uh, he fell apart that next year, and it all fell apart for the Vikings after that. But Frazier didn't do uh, a lot to pull him out of it. The Bucks defensive coordinator from 2014 to 15, which they weren't very good. 
So again, there's a lot to point at with Frazier, the Ravens secondary coach in 2016. But I will say, he's been with the Bills for five years. And he has sustained um, awesome, really, really good success. And defense is hard. You know, Justin, we, defense fluctuates from year to year much it more than offense It absolutely does. does, yes. Much more. Let's look at the last five years of Leslie Frazier as the Bills' defensive coordinator. And points, first, 16th, second, 18th, 18th. That was in the middle of a rebuild, and they were at the lowest 18th. Yards, first, 14th, third, second, 26th. And here's the one that I can't believe that it was this high consistently. I can't believe this. Interceptions. Third, seventh, eighth, seventh, sixth. The last five years, Justin, opponent QB stats, 62.3% completions, 199 yards per game, and 86 touchdowns and 82 interceptions. That's 81 games. And and the teams are barely averaging over one touchdown pass per game and uh, over one interception per game. That's insane. And you look at one of the, just some of the schematics of Leslie Frazier and what he does. He seems like a very well-mannered guy who, you know, uh, can, you know, be good with a locker room. Um, his scheme-wise is very similar to Patrick Graham, but more of a, a 4-3 uh, base. But, like, just the way they believe in running a defense is very similar. I don't know. If, if Frazier, I think, was 15 years younger, I think he'd be talked about a lot more. Yeah, mixing cover three and cover one, but also disguising some cover four, I think we – uh. We got a little. We got a little note from a from a from a friend about what kind of defense Leslie Frazier runs. Um, the record that he was when he was head coach. I mean, uh, I'm kind of raining on your parade now of you know the impressive resume that he has with the Bills. But he started coaching Week 12 for the Minnesota Vikings in 2010. He went three and three. 2011 he went three and 13. 2012 he went 10 and six with Christian Ponder, I believe. And then 2013 he went five, 10 and one. But you know his time with the Buffalo Bills, Bobby that. Bill's defense has been way more outstanding and impressive than the Bill's offense was. I mean, this even includes now. Like, the Bill's Bill's defense is a better unit when you rank it across the National Football League. It's number one in the National Football League this year, and it has been better. category, too. It has been better than the offense. Like, yeah, we're impressed with Allen. We're impressed with Brian Dable and what he's able to do. But the Bill's defense, if you're just judging a coordinator, Leslie Frazier has put together better league units than Brian Dable has for longer. Sneeze, sneeze, sneeze. Achoo! Oh, man, wish he didn't mute himself. He's sneezing. Three, four, five, six. Oh, my God. Seven, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right, um... Now, here's the point against him is that he hasn't been very particularly good until the Buffalo Bills. And Sean McDermott is obviously very involved uh, with that defense. You know, um, you know, Frazier, you know, is calling plays. But McDermott is heavily involved in that defense. So, that's something you can you could put against him. Again, he runs that 4-3 defense with a bigger speed to power defensive ends. It seems to be their type. Nick, you know, basically runs all their defense on a nickel, but it adjusted, adjusted towards the end of the year when teams started to run on them a little bit. Nice blend of two high versus single high safety. Uh, it ran the six most two high. Very similar similar to Graham with mixed coverages, but starting in disguised looks. Um, not a huge blitzer, blitzer, but loves to simulate different uh, pressures. 
And he's, 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 he's based in zone, but will mix in man coverage. Kind of has a bend, don't break style, but that's not what he is. Like It's, it's, it's a, like a better version of what the Patrick Graham Giants uh, have done. You know, where it's like they're they're shutting they're shutting teams down, but also like they're but they're like the way they play is like a bend don't break style. But they get a ton of turnovers, and they don't let you know QBs throw touchdowns on them. They just flat out don't. I think they allowed twelve touchdown passes this past year. Um, and again, I mean, four more touchdowns than interceptions they've given up uh, the last five seasons. Like if that was a one year, two year sample size, it's like okay, that's a five year sample size. You can't ask for more than that. Out of Leslie Frazier. Hmm. I want to talk about his 2010 season where he went 10 and 6 with the Vikings. Adrian Peterson had 2,097 yards that year. That was the Adrian Peterson year, and then they started Joe Webb in the playoffs. Oh, God. Did they do that intentionally, or was that Christian Ponder hurt? Ponder got hurt. Ponder got hurt. He had a good, efficient year, Ponder. Um, you know, for a running back, you know, for when you have a running back that gets two thousand yards, you're obviously giving him the ball. But um, sixty-two point one completion rate, twenty-nine thirty-five yards, two thousand nine hundred thirty-five yards, eighteen touchdowns, twelve interceptions, um, yards per attempt at six point one. That's not that great. QBR fifty-two point one. Again, that's not that great. So, not gonna. I'm I'm actually using Christian Ponder as a positive for. Leslie Frazier, but also, you know, you look back and, you know, this, what this was, the 2012 Minnesota Vikings, Kyle Rudolph was on this team. Um, you also include guys like Percy Harvin, uh, Matt Asiata, what I feel like is a name that I'm familiar with. Um, Jarius White, Michael Jenkins, Jerome Simpson. That's like a, that's a solid crew of, of, of wide receivers that they had in some weapons. Rhett Ellison was a fullback on this team. Wow, a lot of a lot of giants here. The so backup tight ends of the last few years have been Minnesota Vikings. Twenty twelve Minnesota Vikings. So, but Justin, he had a bad thirteen seconds to end the Chiefs game. I'm not remembering that. We're talking about like literally yesterday. Oh, yesterday. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't hold that against him. I mean, it's Patrick I mean, Mahomes. Definitely not good. <laughs> but it's like. We just talked about five years of body work. Like, let's not go off of 13 seconds when your defense is totally gassed. Um, and also, it's Patrick Mahomes, and there was clearly some magic things happening in that game that were out of everybody's control. And you're kind of in the no in a no win situation as far as like the way you call your defense and those end of game situations. Like, let's look at two examples right there. You're Leslie Frazier, where you're going to try and keep things in front of you. Well, they get those yards very quickly. Your Todd Bowles, where you blitz the piss out of people, well, they get you over the top on Cooper Cup for uh, a big play. Brian Flores has the same critique, by the way, where the Miami Dolphins, even when Patrick Graham was there, the Miami Dolphins have allowed explosive plays at like a top five rate in the National Football League every single year. Even though they have a good defense, they allow a lot of explosive plays. So Bills don't, and that's so why they're number I, one. I understand the last... You know the 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 taste left in people's mouth is Leslie Frazier on Sunday for the versus the Bills or versus the Chiefs, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could hold it against him, but like also look at his whole body work. And I don't like. I know some people are just like, oh, he had a. They, that's their only like last memory. That's their only like thoughts on Le, on Leslie Frazier is that moment. The Bills allowed the least amount of explosive pass plays this year. Beautiful. Like let's let's look at everyone's versus the Chiefs defense and see. How how they line? Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. or whoever the or versus the Bills or whoever. Patrick Graham though, yeah. stopped them. I would love to see Patrick Graham play the Bills. That would be fun. 
be, I feel like it'd be actually a good, a pretty good matchup for Pat. Um, all right, we'll so here's we're so going to talk about Patrick Graham in a second too. So, so here's a, so again, here's a question, the same question that I asked for Brian Flores. Do you trust him to bring in a good offensive coordinator? And that question is really tough this off season. And another reason why Dable's number one for me, because there's not a lot of there doesn't seem to be a lot of good offense coordinators out there. Now you could snag a QB coach, you can snag somebody from a good team and a good system, and and they can work. Like sure, I, I I'm not I'm not a I'm not a specialist when it comes to knowing all those guys, but there's a lot more easy like yeah, let's just bring this guy in to be our defensive coordinator and it can work. Like Patrick Graham, Graham like Vic Vangio, um, you know there seems to be a lot more defense coordinators out there than offensive coordinators that are that makes sense and you're excited about. There's no reason for me to not trust it. Is what I'm saying. Like okay. there's no like oh he's gonna go get this guy, but there's no reason to be like oh he's not gonna he's not gonna get a guy. You know like there's there's no there's no reason to not think that. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially live in New York State with mobile sports betting just in time for football playoffs. Right now, you can bet a place from anywhere in New York with DraftKings Sportsbook, including from the comfort of your couch. To add to the excitement, DraftKings is giving new customers a special offer that you don't want to miss. Bet just $5 on any playoff game and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. The wait is finally over. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to use to check out all of DraftKings' great promotions and features, including same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY and get 56-1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins, that's promo code John Boyd this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. I missed the 1-800-GAMBLER line. I agree. Here are some significant coaches that um, Leslie Frazier has employed. Uh Daryl Bevel was his offensive coordinator when Frazier was the head coach. Mike Singletary was the assistant head coach. Um, and Kevin Stefanski was the assistant QB coach. Um, the, the coaches that he's worked for, Brad Childress, Tony Dungy, John Harbaugh, Marvin Lewis, Sean McDermott, Andy Reid, and Lovey Smith. Those were the coaches that he's worked for and coaches that he's employed. So maybe he has connections in some of those buildings. How about that? Um... Maybe we get Andy Reid over as the Giants offensive coordinator. Kill two birds, uh, get stoned at once. Get stoned. All right. So, where's Patrick Graham in the rankings for you? Because I don't. We're not going to talk about Patrick Graham next because most people know about Patrick Graham. Who? Where does Patrick Graham in the rankings for you? Is he fourth for you? No, I have him at five. Do you have Dan Quinn at fourth? Yeah. Okay, I have him at fifth. Let's talk about Dan Quinn. Fifty-one years old. Uh was the Cowboys defensive coordinator this past season and did a very good job. He was the Falcons head coach from 2015 to 20, and there's mixed reviews. Was the Seahawks defensive coordinator uh, the two years before that, and then, you know, jumped around from the Gators, the 49ers, Dolphins, Jets, college. He, he, he was based in D, uh, as a D-line coach, uh, and then moved his way up to defensive coordinator with the Gators and the Seahawks. Justin, I'm not a fan of Dan Quinn at all. I don't think he did a very good job with the Falcons. I think... They went to a Super Bowl, and Kyle Shanahan, who was one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, was his offensive coordinator. You know, his defenses, 
uh, you know, have ranked 30th. We're ranked 30th, 23rd, 25th, 27th, 14th. You know, the year that he left the, the Seahawks, they were ranked first the next year. Um, went 43 and 42 as a head coach. Uh, went eight and eight his first year, eleven and five the Super Bowl year, ten and six, so that's good. And then went seven and nine, seven and nine, and then zero and five. And not only did he go zero and five, his defense went from like thirtieth to third. Uh, you know, was like thirtieth in DVOA when he was there, and like third uh, when after he had left. Look so, at you. Listen, there's there's there is positives of Dan Quinn, but to me, he's the most negative. I don't think he did a very good job with the Falcons. Unless you're going to tell me he's going to hire a Kyle Shanahan type offensive coordinator, well then my point would be just hire that guy as a head coach because I don't think Dan Quinn ever had a really good defense with the Falcons. In fact, they were more they were more so bad than they were good. Yeah, and there's a few exceptions, but largely when you look at when Dan Quinn's defenses have been successful, it's when those defenses are also forcing turnovers at a top ten rate. Largely, when those defenses aren't forcing turnovers at a top 10 rate, you have them giving up uh, points at an above average rate. And that's not what we want, because unless your name's Leslie Frazier, um, usually forcing turnovers is not a sustainable thing year in and year out. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Giants were top 10 as a defensive turnover rate. You know, good chance next year that they're, you know, at the that they're below average. Unless you're Leslie Frazier. Unless you're Leslie Frazier, which that's something that that's usually hard to predict, but Leslie Frazier has been doing it every year since 2017, so I guess it's a thing for him at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm with you. I I just have him above Graham because experience, pedigree, the guy has been there. Well, he does deserve credit for Dallas this year, you know, and I think he's best at letting guys play their style of football, like. Parsons putting him at edge wasn't like a slam dunk go and do. Like, that took some balls to do that, you know. And realizing what, you know, Trevon Diggs is and letting him play to that style. Like, yeah, he gives up a lot of yards. But you know what? Like, Trevon Diggs is, is a plus player for the Cowboys. And he's not, like, all pro like he got voted to. Like, you don't look, look, gotta look at more interceptions. But he did, like, those interceptions mean a lot. And they make huge differences in the game. Yeah. And they went for, I mean, the Cowboys went from a dog shit defense to the seventh-ranked defense. And, again, with 26 interceptions. Now, at the same time. They were bottom, you know, they were bottom in the half as far as like yards per play and stuff. They like you said, they're very reliant on the turnovers. Style wise, it's, it's you know, it's based on that Seattle cover three single high, but with the like they ran the most cover one man coverage in the NFL with the Cowboys, you know, which is like you got to have some trust in your guys to run that. Tenth in blitz rate, but not like not like these cover zero Brian Flores blitzes and were able to create pressure. They were able to create pressure, you know, top five in that. Um, and you go back to his Falcons years, you know, he's like, he's in that, like that 20 to 24 rank as, as far as like blitz rate. So, you know, he, he's not afraid to blitz, but he, you know, he's, uh, he's, it's not what he lives. It's not what he lives and dies on like Brian Flores. So listen, if you told me we can bring Kyle Shanahan with him, fine. But I don't know. I, I like, okay. He's able to hire a good offensive coach. Well, was he after Kyle Shanahan? Like Steve Carr's Sarkeesian didn't work out. Where's the where's the good hire after that? With, with Did you the, mention that the year that Matt Ryan won his MVP in 2016 and the year that the Falcons were legitimately the best offense in the National Football League? Did you mention that that defense was one of the worst defenses in the National Football League? They were the twenty the twenty third or twenty fifth ranked defense, like their Super Bowl year. Like the defense wasn't good that year. It was the offense that carried them. And yep. you know what? Like we haven't brought it up this point because it's like the least of my like like issues. But they did give up a twenty eight to three. Lead in the Super Bowl, 
And yeah, could Kyle Shannon had some moments back in that? Yeah. But I bet you when he had a you know a twenty a twenty five point lead, he's like, you know what, maybe me passing the ball on, on a third down isn't the worst thing in the world. Maybe my defense won't just get marched down for four straight freaking drives. So again, it's just like when the Falcons were good, which is what people point to for Dan Quinn, is like, well, they weren't the defense wasn't good, and that's what he overruled over. And I get like his, his more head coaching like duties, but it's like you know, it's like giving Ben McAdoo a bunch of credit for the defense balling in 2016 and the offense being horrible. So that to me is not a good Ben McAdoo coaching uh, year. That is the defense, the defense where he basically spends no attention to during out the week, balling and his side of the ball not balling. Yeah, and when you and when you get to a Super Bowl and you have a twenty-eight to three lead in said Super Bowl, you shouldn't follow up that season with only one winning season in the next one, two, three, four. Wait, let me maybe make sure I'm counting right. One, years, two, three, yeah. four years. You know, there should be more than one winning season in there when you make a Super Bowl. Like, I, I understand sometimes windows can be limited in the National Football League, but, I mean, come on. And you see the 7-9 seasons. Those weren't even, like, those were, like, the worst type of 7-9 seasons where it's, like, you start out horrible and it's, like, and you win some games at the end of the year, you know, like, you know, where you could have been, like, you, you're you not, you're no different to me than the 5-11 and 11 type team. It's classic Giants. Like, you're closer to 5-11 yeah. than you are 9-7. and seven is It's I'm classic saying. Giants, like, 2012-2013 territory of, you know, winning winning those games late in the year to give everybody hope that you can get it together the next year. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, he had a success in Seattle. Well, guess who had success in Seattle? Gus Bradley in front of him, who created that defense with them. And... Guess who also had success? The Seahawks after. I mean, again, the year that he left, they were ranked first in NFL in defense that season. So again, there's this is the only Dan Quinn's the only guy. Even even though I have Dan Quinn over Lou and Anarumo, I honestly would probably be a little more bothered by Quinn because Lou is at least more of an unknown. And it's like let's give this guy a shot. Yeah, you know where Dan Quinn is definitely more qualified, but it's like at least. Like I kind of, I feel like I know what Dan Quinn is, and I don't think the def- the Cowboys defense is going to be that much uh, as good next year. Because, like you said, they're so reliant on turnovers. And I don't expect Trevon Diggs to have eleven interceptions again. I'm with you. Number four on the list for a reason. Let's talk about number five. Well, Patrick Graham is number four on my list. Ah, we know who Patrick Graham is, so we don't need to do a breakdown of Patrick Graham. But let's let's just talk about it, and, and we'll even talk about keeping him as a defensive coordinator. And I got a little bit of flack for this, but to me, to move on from Joe Judge to make Patrick Graham the head coach makes no sense to me. It makes it would make zero sense to me. Say, well, Joe Judge, hey, give Patrick like just because uh, you know, like like Joe Judge was a bad head coach doesn't mean Patrick Graham is going to be a bad head coach. I agree, I agree with that. But those guys were aligned vision wise on everything. They were tight knit, like shake and bake. And again, like I don't understand. Like, and here's the biggest thing is. What good does it do to just make everyone's role in the in the organization go up one? You know, it, it's it's big time. Like, hey, let's fire Tom Coughlin and nothing else changes. We just move Ben Bakadu from OC to head coach. Like, I I don't think that changes this team as far as it goes. And like, well, the offense coordinator. It's like, well, that was the biggest you know thing. That's you know, feels like Joe Judge was ages ago at this point. Now the way we've everything's happened so fast. <laughs> Um, but it's like, you know, Joe Judge didn't really get his a chance at an OC. Maybe Joe Judge would be like, you know, Brian Dable was his number one choice now at the same time. they didn't If you're going to hire Patrick Graham, you should have just kept Joe Judge. Yes, that's basically my point. Now, and, and again, hire, keeping Joe Judge was the wrong decision. So if 
and was not do the whole Joe Judge conversation. So, but if Joe Judge was in the thir- the second year of a GM and not the fourth year of GM, like that would be the argument. It's like just keep this together for another year, let him get an offensive coach and see what happens. But to me, it's like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, to do that. I don't even view it as a reality. Like I, I I know people are talking about it and people are like, oh, can it happen? Can it happen? But you know, I've really just dismissed it. Like I I don't I just don't think it's gonna happen. I am very adamant, by the way. And now we can maybe move forward, move towards this. I'm kind of adamant on Graham and Vic Vangio are like one A and one B right now for defensive Same. coordinator for me. And especially if it's Dable, those guys have worked together. If it's Flores. Uh, did they have a spat in Miami, and did they but maybe? They do have a lot a of respect bit? for each other, regardless. Yeah. So, and also Flores did let him like, hey, you can literally take a lateral position. I will let you leave Miami. <laughs> Which, anyway, but I kind of, I really do like Graham because, and I know some other people have said this too, but I love Graham because he adjusts. He adjusts to like he's not like a, a now. I know Wink Martindale. He did adjust this year. He didn't blitz as much, but the defense just flat out was was not very good. And I think Graham can work on the fly a lot more quicker and a lot more better with the personnel, whatever personnel is presented to him. He can work a lot more better and a lot more on the fly with what is in front of him. And the most impressive thing for me about this Giants defense the last two years, 2020, they were fifth in not allowing the big explosive pass play. This year, Bobby, they were better. And they finished fourth. And that's when you can argue that you know, some personnel was worse, especially without Blake Martinez and Leonard Williams not having as a productive year. And there's just no no presence of an edge room. So was better in regards to not allowing the big explosive pass play while changing what they did in terms of you know two high safeties versus single high and what they did last year running a lot of cover three. So I love Graham. I kind of want him to be here. And I do think it makes sense him being here when you consider that Flores and uh, Dable are like the two front runners, and I think it's realistic too. Whereas yes. when Joe Judge was fired, that I didn't think it'd be realistic. Like you just fired his best friend, uh, you know. They're like it just didn't. It didn't. I didn't think it would happen. But those I guys think, also love to play for him too. Yes, and I think Patrick. Like that's part. Of, like yeah, does Joe, Patrick Graham hate to see Joe go? Absolutely. Like is he going to be bitter about it? But it's also like you know those guys. He cares about those guys in those in that locker room. You know, like he loves those players, um, and again, like he has a connection with Brian Dable, uh, he has a connection with Flores, who are the top two candidates right now. Uh, you know, he's not going to get a head coaching offer. So now, again, no head coach has been hired, so this is a lot uh, more speculation than I like dealing with, because a head coach would come in and bring them to be their defensive coordinator. Uh, but as of right now. Patrick Graham doesn't have any really uh, any jobs banging at his door unless the Ravens are are making a run at him, you know. So I can see it making sense for him career wise and like what's best for him. Uh, I can see it happening where if you know a day after the judge firing, I just didn't think it would happen. Like even if they brought in Flores at the time. So yeah. So now now I almost think it's going to happen to be honest. I I hope so. Un- unless Vic Vangio, unless we give him the bag, then. Yeah, keep him around. I would love. I would. I would love to keep him around. Vic Fangio is the one guy where it's like, okay, I love you, Pat, but we're gonna move on for you for Vic. Uh, but I'd love to keep Pat around. All right, let's go over to the last one. We can do this one kind of quick. Lou Lou Anarumo, uh, fifty-five years old, been with the Giants. He's been the Bengals' defensive coordinator the last three years after leaving the Giants as their DB coach in twenty eighteen. Was uh 
the Dolphins DB coach from 2012 to 17 was with Purdue for seven years before that in the same role and then Marshall and then spent the 90s with Wagner Syracuse Harvard and uh, the military merchants uh, uh, university Uh, I actually like some of his philosophy stuff like covers wise he does everything you know there's not like a we lean on this you know like let's look cover one they're ranked 16th cover two they're ranked 17th cover three 13th like in the middle of the like they they don't have like a set this is what we do coverage wise like we're cover four or we're cover two cover you know not one of those guys. not a heavy blitzer um but it's like you know we talked to our bingo i got uh, mike sons bingo sons like he has some high level blitz uh designs and stuff uh but at the same time, the Bengals' defense just hasn't been good. The last, like 2021 17th, which is uh, pretty you know decent for the personnel they have, but 22nd and 25th, which again, not saying that those are bad jobs by Lou with the personnel they had, but they're also not wowing. And I just don't think he has enough experience or any wow wowing anything jumping off the resume to really be like, okay, this is the guy. I would give him yeah. a shot, um, but I, it just doesn't seem like it would be likely, anyways. Yeah, I I agree. Also, you got to consider they're still in the playoffs, and I don't know if Lou Anarumo um, is going to be the guy that you're going to wait around for and delay the coaching search any further for. So, by our dismissive tone, he will be the next G, uh, head coach. So start yeah, doing your research on. We didn't even talk about Joe Judge when we were doing a uh, our coach search the previous cycle so yeah so he will be our your next head coach so get ready for the Lou, uh Lou Anarumo as your head coach uh episode all right Justin I will keep this under an hour do you got anything no no cautiously optimistic about the future I'm excited for Joe Shane head coaches we'll we'll see can't wait for one to be hired and then we'll break him down even more and we'll go even more nuts all right, so next episode will either be Friday recapping the press con- the Joe Shane press conference on Wednesday, whenever news we hit, or whenever we get a head coach. Uh, one, or, one or the other will, will happen. So we appreciate you guys. We'll see you when we see you. Enjoy uh, the last day, few days of not knowing who your head coach is. I think it's going to be Brian Dable. Until then, let's go Big Blue.